Hey guys, this is Peter Lewis with Braveheart Ministries. Thanks for tuning in to the Braveheart Podcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit our website at www.braveheartministries.org. I hope the the podcast last week blessed you uh, on part one. Uh, I talked about how when um, Apollos was a was a born again Jew. And he was preaching very passionately, very eloquently uh, in Ephesus, and he was making Christian disciples. People were getting saved. They were hearing about Jesus. They were getting born again. But it says this in Acts chapter 18. It says that Apollos only knew the baptism of John. So he, his, his full understanding of the gospel ended with um, the forgiveness of sins. And I talked about how prophetically that's how I feel like the Western church uh, where we've been. We've been under Apollos's leadership. Um, again, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I encourage you to do so. Um, you'll hear my heart as a, what I believe. I, I want to be a peacemaker uh, between the denominations and the camps. I don't have any desire to, uh, to, to make classifications of Christians. My heart's desire is that everyone experience the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of the gospel, intimacy with Jesus, um, and I, I relate to the guys in Acts chapter 19, um, you know, these men who had been born again under Apollos' ministry, um, they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and Paul asks them very, very upfront, very plain, this is in Acts chapter 19, uh, Paul asks a group of Christians... Um, he says this, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. Um, so two things about that. Um, it was understood that they would know if they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit or not. And their answer was emphatically no. And, and not even that, they said, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. But I want to bring some clarity uh, to something I shared last week about the Holy Spirit. I was mentioning, uh, I just think language is really important here. Um, Paul specifically is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not just a knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know, to, to these guys in Acts 19, they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Um, but I think a lot of people today have maybe heard about the Holy Spirit, but they're uncertain or unsure of whether they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and I want to read this quote to you um, by a guy named Samuel Chadwick. Uh, he wrote a book called The Way of Pentecost. And he, uh, I actually just uh, just discovered this book and this guy as I was uh, studying for this podcast and looking into some stuff. And so um, he, he has a very interesting, I think he puts good language to uh, what I'm trying to articulate um, and he's and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. This is what he says. He says the experience, uh, again, he's referencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is distinct from that of regeneration. Of those who had believed and been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, it was said they had not yet been baptized of the Holy Ghost. It is evident, therefore, that a man may be born again of the Spirit and not be baptized with the Spirit. In regeneration, there is a gift of life by the Spirit, and whosoever receives it is saved. In the baptism of the Spirit, there is a gift of power, 
and by it the believer is equipped for service and endued for witnessing. And I think that's a really um, clear explanation of what I'm trying to articulate and where people may relate uh, with me um, and with my story in that I was born again when I was four years old. I knew I was saved. I, I, I heard the gospel of salvation. I heard the gospel of, uh, of, I was taught about Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that if I put my faith in him, my sins would be forgiven, uh, and I would go to heaven. And I, and I did that. I, I had that moment with God, and it was powerful. And I knew I was born again, but it wasn't until I was 22 years old that I had an experience very distinct from my four-year-old experience where I would say I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I can point to that moment in time, and I can tell you that, that when that moment happened in 2006, for me, uh, I, there was a marked difference in my life. And, and here, was the, here was the two main things that I felt uh, that shifted over my life. Uh, I was given power over sinful behavior. So I've shared my testimony publicly quite a bit. Uh, At that time, I was in an addiction to pornography. Um, If anyone uh, can relate to that, I was a Christian, uh, but I was was in bondage to pornography, and it really ate me alive. It really uh, caused me a lot of pain and guilt and shame and condemnation because I didn't want it, but I was in bondage to it. And to be honest, the the gospel that I had been given gave me no permission to completely be free from it. On the contrary, I was told and raised, and maybe many of you listening, um, you have been taught, whether overtly or inadvertently, that you will not be free from sin until you die. Um, And if you've been taught that, I want to just encourage you that um, that's not the truth and that's not the gospel. Um, because the reality is the gospel promises us freedom from sin and sinful behaviors completely. And I'll unpack some of that here in a little bit. Uh, but but that, that moment in time where I would say I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 2006, it was March uh, 7th, 2006, uh, I had an encounter with God. And that encounter produced two things in my life. Uh, the first thing was I got delivered that day of that addiction to pornography. I can point to that moment in time, and I have been free. It is now uh, February 7th, uh, 2018. I have been free from an addiction to pornography for that amount of time. So I don't even know how many days or years. I don't count anymore. Uh, I just live free, thanks be to God. Um, and so it's possible. It's possible to live free from sins that have maybe uh, kept you in bondage your whole life. Um, and, and the gospel promises that. And so I'll unpack that a little bit uh, here in a minute. And over the coming weeks, um, we'll look into that. Um, but that, that experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit gave me power over sin, where previously I did not have power. The second thing that I noticed in my life that began to happen um, was I began to see the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So gentleness, peace, joy, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, all of that. I began to see those in a dramatic increased measure uh, in my life. And then I began to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow in my life. And, and prior to that experience, um, those things may have happened here and there, uh, maybe in a church service where I maybe felt the Holy Spirit and I moved in a moment of compassion or felt a, a moment of peace. But, but the shift when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 
it came where I began to have a lifestyle of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which gave me power to testify that Jesus was alive, um, that he had changed my life. And I began to see people saved and born again, whereas before that moment, I didn't feel like I had power uh, to share with people. Uh, and I hope that makes sense. And, and maybe you can connect with that. Maybe some of you have had that similar experience. Um, but I like Samuel Chadwick's language because he says very clearly um, that it is evident, therefore, that a man may be born again of the Spirit and not be baptized with the Spirit. In, in regeneration, he's talking about being born again. There is a gift of life by the Spirit, and whosoever receives it, it is saved. In the baptism of the Spirit, there is a gift of power, and by it the believer is equipped for service and endued for witnessing. Now, again, some of you may want to want to see even further evidence in the Bible. Um, I would point you back to uh, John. I believe it's chapter 20, 21, um, where Jesus appears to his disciples after he's been raised. He comes into the upper room and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had actually received the Holy Spirit and the, the evidence of being born again, because now Jesus had been raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit uh, was breathed upon them by Jesus, and they experienced that, that life, that born-again life of, wow, Jesus is raised from the dead, now we're born again. But it wasn't until 50 days later that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I would, I would contend with you and the listeners that, that in this day and age, we are stuck prophetically in the upper room in Pentecost. Um, I believe so many Christians have received the Holy Spirit. They've received the resurrection of Jesus. They've been taught Jesus, um, but they have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and and like, like Paul, I think a fair question to ask ourselves is, have, uh, have you been baptized? Or what does he ask them specifically? He says... Um, he asks them in Acts chapter 19. Let's look at it if you're, if you're listening along with me. Um, he asks them this in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I don't think he's asking them, did you receive the gift of born-again life? I think he's saying very clearly, and you'll reference this because he says he talks about baptism. Um, he's asking them, did they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because if you keep reading, it says... After they said, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit, he asks them this question, what were you baptized into? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So there was a definite moment in transaction and experience that these guys had that was separate from their born again experience where they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, you see um, them speaking in tongues and prophesying two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, were flowing out of their lives. Uh, again, I mentioned this in last week's podcast. Uh, there's been religious groups that have tried to make the baptism of the Holy Spirit about the evidences of the Holy Spirit. Um, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. This is about the heart of our Father wanting to be intimate with us. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to me, represents God's heart to be so close to us that He would actually come 
and clothe us with himself. And so uh, the fruit of that is obviously the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But to me, the, 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 the great blessing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the heart of God. Uh, and it brings context now to me to the cross and why Jesus died on a cross and why he shed his own blood. Um, it was to prepare us to receive the Holy Spirit. That, that to me is the big, the big uh, aha and blessing of the gospel is the, the blood of the cross. And all that wasn't just, uh, I, I think sometimes in the West, we like to mix all the blessings of God together. We just kind of like, yeah, he died on a cross and his blood was shed and I'm forgiven and I have the Holy Spirit. But everything God did was so intentional. Uh, the blood was to cleanse our hearts from every ounce of sin from every remnant of our sinful nature, his blood was shed to remove it. it. It references this in Hebrews. It says the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin, uh, but Christ has come once and for all to remove our sin. John says it in, in John chapter 1. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, John the Baptist was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins, but the proclamation of Jesus was that he takes away the sin of the world, not just forgive it. And there's a huge distinction there. And that's kind of what I wanted to to highlight this week. And I don't know if we'll have time to, to fully get there. Um, again, we're going to stay uh, several weeks on this. Um, but I, I wanted to touch on this week uh, some of the the effects of of where we're at in the church of believing uh, a gospel that doesn't hasn't embraced or understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the first thing that I want to highlight uh, that that I hope hopefully you can relate to this, but um, our our Christian life we begin to treat uh, Jesus and the blood of Jesus like the blood of bulls and goats. And what I mean by that is when when we're under Apollos' gospel, when we're, you know, some of you may be wondering, like, what are you, you know, how does this connect to my life? I'm, I'm trying to give us language um, to help us see where we are so that we can hopefully see where we're going. Um, because I think if we're honest, there's so much that exists in the church that God's wanting to revive and heal and make whole. Um, and that's my heart. I want to see believers set free from sin. And I want to see believers have the power of God to walk in the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, reconciling the world back to Jesus through love. Amen. So that's my heart. That's the purpose of this podcast, my ministry. And so something that grieves my heart is that I see Christians treating the blood of Jesus no differently than the blood of a bull and goat. And what I mean by that is they, they keep coming back to church and coming back to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, just like we would do, uh, or just like they did in the old covenant, they would, they would go to the priest and the priest would, would shed the blood of an animal and then say, you're forgiven. And it was this transaction. They just kept transacting forgiveness year in, day in, and day out, week in and week out. And there was never a freedom from their sinfulness. There was never promised that that was the inferior, inferiority of the old covenant was that it could never make them perfect. It could never make them born again. It could never make them free from, from having uh, a sinful nature. And, uh, and that's really what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight uh, and just maybe speak to briefly this week because I think we're running uh, low on time. But to me, one of the biggest dangers of 
of our understanding of the gospel in this hour is that it it has made room for believers uh, to believe that they still have a sinful nature. Um, and the conclusion has been this. The conclusion has been, I must still have a sinful nature if I still sin. And, and the problem with that thinking is, and I've, I've heard this a lot, people say, well, if, if I don't have a sinful nature, how come I continue to sin? Because I continue to sin, I must have a sinful nature. There's the, the conclusion. And the problem with that thinking is it's an old covenant uh, thinking, and it's a thinking on the law. In the old covenant, um, people people uh, related to God by the law, which is what they did. It was their behavior. Their external actions was how they related to God. They were either innocent or guilty based on their behavior. And so there was a whole legal system. The priestly setup was, was offered to cleanse their conscience from the things that they did externally. Um, and that was wonderful for that time. The problem with that is that that through Jesus, he's ushered in a new covenant that is no longer governed by a spiritual law, but it's governed by grace. This is Romans 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 14. It says, for sin will have no dominion over your life. Why? Because you're not under law, but you're under grace. So the new covenant is governed by grace. Um, and grace is in the new covenant, why, why that thinking of saying, you know, well, I must be a sinner. I must still have a sinful, sinful nature because I'm continuing to sin. That contradicts the blessing and promise of the new covenant, which is we now relate to God, not based on what we do, but based on the death, burial, resurrection, and life of Jesus. That's our basis of connection to the father is through the life of Jesus. And, and it's not just through his life. It's not like he's just this mediator. He is a mediator. But even more than that, through his sacrifice, through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says very emphatically uh, in John chapter 1 that we have been born of God. John chapter 3 says that we are born again. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says this. It says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And then again in verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body, so he's talking about now our physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Second Peter 1 says we're partakers of the divine nature. Second Corinthians 5 says that the old has passed away and the new has come. So all of this language in the new covenant speaks of us becoming one in Christ we become brand new creatures. So how can someone who's been born of God still be a sinner? How can Jesus himself, how can the Holy Spirit join himself with a spirit that is still sinful? And, and then here's the other question we have to ask ourselves. How can a sinful nature, how can it still remain after the blood of Jesus has washed us? To say that Christians still have a sinful nature is to say that the blood of Jesus didn't fully cleanse us and that only when we have a physical death will we be cleansed from that nature. And so that that's to me uh, one of the biggest um, problems with our, our, our current presentation of the gospel and our lack of understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a lack of understanding 
that we have become new in Christ, that we have a new nature. And now, as a, a born-again son of God who is no longer fighting against a sinful nature, I'm no longer struggling against a sinful nature, I do what Romans 6 says, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. Because Romans 6 says that the one who has died has been set free from sin. So biblically, the gospel gives us permission to consider our sinful nature crucified on the cross, buried with Christ. And when we come up out of those waters of that death, we come up brand new with the Holy Spirit now as our guide. The Holy Spirit now is within us. And, and we are now being led by the Spirit. We can now walk in the Spirit. In Galatians 5, it says very clearly, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So again, everything comes back to the Holy Spirit. And my, 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 my pain in my heart is so many Christians are walking around zealous for God. Uh, they want to please God but they don't have an understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And not only do they not have an understanding, but they haven't had an experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you um, is very simple. I want to ask you, if you're listening to this, um, and and, and as you're hearing me talk, you would say, you know what, I I don't know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because here's what I would tell you. Um, You would know. You either know or you or the answer is no, you haven't. Um, and so I encourage you that that my heart, that's not to shame anybody. That's not to make anyone feel less than. Uh, again, if you read, please read uh, Acts chapter 18 and 19. There was no, no one was trying to create denominations or camps or classifications of believers. It was this desire to see everyone experience the fullness of the gospel, the love of God, intimacy with him. My heart, uh, if that's you, if you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're struggling day in and day out with sin. Uh, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you to come on this journey with us. We're going to uh, I'm going to be uh, in talking about this the next several weeks uh, out of out of this text about our our new nature. Uh, I'm going to be talking about how uh, we're no no longer obligated to live uh, according to a sinful nature and just how to renew your mind. Some practical. Some people want to know how do I actually then walk this out? Um, and then I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. Um, that wherever you're listening, that you would have uh, an experience. Obviously, it would be ideal uh, to, to lay hands on you. Um, and, and maybe you know someone. Maybe you know someone who walks in the power of God, who walks in the Holy Spirit, whom you respect, uh, whom you trust, who the, the evidence of their life looks like Jesus. They have humility. They have kindness. They have all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This isn't about denominations. This is about Christ-likeness. And I encourage you not to let a denomination be your measuring stick on whether you receive some from someone, but let the measuring stick be Christ-likeness. Does this person look, act, breathe, and talk like Jesus Christ? Do, do they evidence the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That should be the litmus test of someone that we follow is do they have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? 
Um, and I don't say gifts of the Holy Spirit because I think you can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. To me, the, the most important thing is that we have fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Holy Spirit to me represents uh, someone who's intimate with God, who communes with Him, and that fruit is an external reality of an, of an inner life with God. Um, and so that's my prayer specifically for you today. If you have been lacking uh, in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and you say, you know what? I've never even heard that there, I've never heard uh, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of it. Uh, I just want to encourage you, study it out for yourself. Look at Acts chapter 8. Look at Acts chapter 18 and 19. Study John uh, 14, 15, and 16. Uh, the upper room discourse, Jesus in the upper room. He references and talks about the purpose and role uh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then look at the references all throughout Paul's letters to the Holy Spirit and what it means to walk by the Holy Spirit. So um, thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll be here live next week on Facebook. Uh, you can listen in, uh, but let me pray for you before we close out. Um, Father, I thank you for everyone listening uh, right now, Lord. And I just pray um, that there would be, uh, God, just an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon every heart who says, you know what? I would like that experience. I would like to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I know that I've put my faith in Jesus his blood has washed me and cleansed me to the uttermost. And now my heart and my altar, the altar of my heart is clean and prepared to be filled with God himself. And so I'm asking, Lord, in your goodness and your kindness, would you fill these people? Would you baptize them right now in your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name.